official episode of Everything with the Girls. Woo! There we go. <laughs> we planned that so many times. <laughs> I'll take ten. Each month we'll take you through a specific topic ranging from conspiracy theories to mental health issues. This month the topic is unsolved crime, with our first episode being on the murder of Elizabeth Short, otherwise known as the Black Dahlia. So we got new mics, we got professional mics, so we're trying to, this is professional now. But I should say we won't know if it works until I start editing the episode. That's true, and by that time we will not have the energy to do it again. Definitely not. Um, so how's your week been? Pretty standard. Lockdown, innit? Yeah, but did you see that all the shops were opened again today? Yeah, but was I fuck going into the shops when, I know, like, on the I first hear. day? The Ikea near me, the first day that it opened, someone was queuing from, like, 6.30 in the morning, and it doesn't even open till, like, half ten. Oh, my God. Someone said to my... me today as well that you can't try things on. Yeah. In the changing rooms. So, yeah. uh, why are you going? Why would you? And I'm sorry, being a bigger girl, going on the high street, I need to try on before I buy, especially with those prices. <laughs> Come on. Sweating me tits off in this heat now, waiting for the yeah. thunderstorm to go over my house. Lydia, Lydia took her top off because she's too hot. So. I have a sports bra on, okay. I'm sure there will be some people out there wishing this was a video. <laughs> oh, they would not. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, should we dive right into it then? Let's Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh my god, that was amazing. (laughs) Okay, so today, like Lydia said, we're focusing on the murder and death of Elizabeth Short. Um, She was born on the 29th of July in 1924 to Cleo and Phoebe Short in Hyde Park, Massachusetts, which... Is that, am I saying that right? Massachusetts? Yeah, Massachusetts, yeah. Okay. We're English, give us some leeway there. I'm not a professional. <laughs> Her father had his own business building mini golf courses, which sounds amazing. I yeah. can't believe that's a real job. Like, you go to mini golf courses, but I kind of just, I don't know, I never thought that that was a thing, that there are people that get paid to build them. He did that until the stock market crashed in 1929, and the family then lost all, lost all their savings. So a year and a half later, her father's car was found abandoned on the Charlestown Bridge, and it was assumed that he'd committed suicide by jumping into the river below. I mean, does yeah, that like still that happen? Like, people just assume you killed yourself. I don't know. It's like saying there can't be a murder without a body. Yeah, you know I mean, like, so they're presumed dead, but it, I don't know if it. I think you have to wait a certain amount of years to be able to file them as like being dead. Oh my god, you sure. do because that's what Carol Baskin did. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, she waited until like the next day that you could do it, didn't she? That yeah, was, like, the whole controversy. And isn't it? Was. Wasn't it like ten years or twelve years she had to wait, and then the next day she filed it, yeah, and then like she got all his money and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, she needs to be an episode of itself. This is, oh my God, yeah, literally. Anyway, um, so Elizabeth's mum thought that her husband was dead and she moved mm-hmm. them all to a town north of Boston and worked as a bookkeeper to support her five daughters. But then, plot twist, 12 years later, Elizabeth's mum gets this letter from her dead husband that just says, apologising for leaving and telling her that he began a new life in California. Like, Can you oh, imagine sorry. that? Like, sorry, I just but, left you and just thought, fuck it, I'm gonna have another family. Like, I mean, that is how I would want to disappear, but I would not <laughs> write a letter saying sorry. Twelve years later, I don't know. So Elizabeth decided to reconnect with her dad after all those years and moved to California when she was 18 to go live with him. Although it wasn't 
as she had obviously hoped it was going to be, as arguments between Elizabeth and her father led to her moving out only a month or so later. Not long after this, Elizabeth began to work at the base exchange at Camp Cook, which is now called Vandenberg Air Force Base, near Lompoc. Am I saying that right, Lompoc? Yeah, I think so. I don't know why I'm asking you that, you'd know. Anyway. Living there with friends, Elizabeth began to date an Army Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her, although I don't know how factually correct that is. Yeah, I literally, that was the one line that I could find in research. Like, there was nothing more in it. In mid-1943, Elizabeth moved to Santa Barbara, where she was arrested for underage drinking at a local bar. She met with Major Matthew Michael Gordon, an Army Air Force officer at the 2nd Air Commando Group. Elizabeth told friends that Gordon had written to propose a marriage while he was recovering from injuries from a plane crash in India. She accepted his offer, but Gordon died in a second crash on August 10th, 1945, less than a week before the surrender of Japan. That is bad luck. Mm, Definitely. After this, Elizabeth moved to Southern California, where she would spend the rest of her time before her death. She lived in the Los Angeles area, where she'd been working as a waitress, living in a rented room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. On January the 9th, 1947, Short returned to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with Robert Red Manley, a 25-year-old married salesman who she had been dating. Robert stated that he dropped Short off at the Biltmore Hotel and that Elizabeth was to meet her sister, who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. Some witnesses recalled having seen her using the lobby telephone and this would potentially have been the last time that Elizabeth was ever seen alive. I know since that happened people have now reported seeing her on like multiple floors on the Biltmore Hotel like yes. walking and then they turn I around two seconds later haunted. she's not there yeah. yeah I feel like most most be... buildings in Hollywood and places like that are haunted though there's so many hotels and stuff like that is that like the hotel in um American Horror Story mm, I don't know if it's like because with that show, they take like actual locations, don't they? I don't know if it's like the actual location they took inspiration from or not. Yeah. But I can imagine it's that type of place, like Hollywood glamour style hotel. Yeah, they're into Especially that, though, that aren't time. they? Like people in California, they're like into ghost hunting and staying in hotels and stuff, aren't they? To be honest, I probably would be as well. I'd be going on that murder house tour. Yeah, too fair. I don't know why I said it like that. Like, I'm judging them. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> I would definitely be doing that too, but... We're just jealous to be over here and not have anything yeah, that interesting. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Around 10am on the 15th of January, 1947, Lemmert Park resident Betty Bersinger was walking down... South Norton Avenue with her three-year-old daughter. It was on this walk that Betty discovered that she, what she initially thought was a discarded store mannequin because of how unnaturally pale it was. When she realised it was a corpse, she rushed to the nearest house with her daughter to phone the police. That is sentence is just awful. I know. Imagine I know. thinking that it was just a, a mannequin. Oh. Some people say that it was the daughter who like initially pointed it out. Oh my and god! Can you imagine horrible. a three-year-old going over being like, "What's that?" And it's like I mean, a dead it? body. Yeah. Oh my god! Literally horrible. Ugh. Especially because their initial reaction is to touch it as well. Mm, yeah. Like a kid, they just want to touch everything, don't they? Okay. Once the police arrived, they found the corpse to be severely mutilated, completely severed at the waist, and totally drained of blood. The body had apparently been. <laughs> wait, wait for this next bit. <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> 
The body had apparently been washed by the killer, with the murderer slashing the face from the corners of her mouth three inches each side to her ears, creating what's known as a joker's smile. She had severely cut, she had several cuts on her thighs and breasts where the entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. Oh my god. (laughs) Hey, you wanted the gory details. I know. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from her upper half and her intestines had been tucked away neatly beneath her bum. Can we just, have you seen the photo of what she, of her? Yeah. On the grass, and it's literally like, it, oh my God, it's just awful. Like, I know. It's, it, when I first read about it as well, it kind of sounded like they found her in like this abandoned car park lot. That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah, yeah. But then when you look at the photo, it's like literally someone's front it's lawn. A, well, yeah, it's a residential area. and like, Oh, well, that's what it is now anyway. Yeah, well, it's a plot that they haven't built on yet. So it's literally um, like an empty yard like type thing. Horrible. Um, but I've seen the photos of them, you know, where they're a bit far away and she's got the blanket over her. Yeah. And like, it, you can tell, you can understand why the woman thought that she was a mannequin. Like, it doesn't look real. And then the photos of it up close are just horrendous. Like, yeah. Due to the lack of, the, of blood at the scene and the fact that the body was totally drained, it was determined that the vacant lot where the body was found wasn't where the victim was killed. The body had been posed with her hands over her head, with her elbows bent at right angles and her legs spread apart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you just get flashes really in your head, don't you? Sadist things yeah, going it's on. It's like here. you're not just killing someone. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, it's yeah. meticulously planned out how they want to do it. I think that's kind of why this whole thing is so famous, isn't it? Because oh, it yeah, definitely. Like, what the fuck, even like, who could do that? Yeah. Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for around 10 hours prior to the discovery, meaning her time of death window was between the evening of the 14th of January and the early hours of the morning on the 15th of January. An autopsy found that the cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and shock from the blows to the, her head and her face. No way, the, cut, the cuts and her smiles. Sorry, I know I keep interrupting you. No, but... no, no. It's, yeah, they were made while she was still alive. Oh my god, that's yeah. The county coroner also noted that there were evidence of rape. The wounds on her legs, wrists, neck, and right thigh suggested that she'd be bound and tortured. The autopsy reports state that the cuts to Elizabeth's body were clean, leading the investigators to believe that whoever did this had surgical skills. The corpse was identified as Elizabeth by the fingerprints that the FBI had on record from when she was arrested in 1943. Just from that one drinking offence, like being underage at a bar. Yeah, like, I know, but it's with... quite, actually it's quite lucky, really, because... That's what I mean, like, yeah. They wouldn't have been able to identify otherwise. No, definitely. Like, she was that mutilated and I doubt her, like, family would have reported her missing, like, if she wasn't talking to her dad and stuff like that. Yeah. Immediately after Elizabeth was identified, a reporter from the LA, LA Examiner contacted her mother in Boston and told her that her daughter had won a beauty contest. It was only after prying as, as much personal information as they could from Phoebe that the reporters revealed that her daughter had in fact been murdered. How disgusting is that? I know, but doesn't like, that just remind you of like, literally that still happens? Yeah, definitely. Like, especially over here as well. There's so many times stuff like that's happened. Horrible, it's so sad. The media sensationalised the case, nicknaming her as the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventuress who prowled Hollywood Boulevard, commenting on the clothes that she wore the last time she was seen. 
Ooh. Now, I don't know if that was the clothes that she was all last time she was seen in regards to the nickname or she was dressed a certain way. But this then, is literally yeah. like what they did to, um, well, I want to say Caroline Flack. Maybe it's not the exact same thing, but, you know, like media just going after someone. Yeah, they pick apart. And, like making up like lies. Prowls. What kind of word? Yeah. Who you? Horrible. Yeah. So, due to the murder being in such proximity to the glamour of Hollywood, the story of Elizabeth's murder came with huge press coverage, making front-page headlines in newspapers across LA for over a month. On January the 21st, 1947, a person claiming to be Short's killer placed a phone call to the office of James Richardson, the editor of The Examiner, congratulating Richardson on the newspaper's coverage of the case and stated he planned on eventually turning himself in, but not before allowing police to pursue him further. Additionally, the caller told Richardson to expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. Well, I mean, that you don't know if that's going to be body parts or vibes, what, isn't it? Yeah. A few days later, an envelope arrived at the office of the LA Examiner. It contained some of Elizabeth's personal items, such as her social security card, her birth certificate, photos and her address book that had some pages ripped out. All of the items had been cleaned with gasoline to remove fingerprints. The envelope had been addressed using cut-out letters taken from film advertisement. Now, that is just so... Serial killer 101, isn't it? Isn't it? Literally. <laughs> I, I don't know how many true crime cases have done that. So many. Anyway. It's to the point now, any sort of, like, murder thing, the initial, like, graphic is, let's cut out some newspaper cuttings. <laughs> like, get the letters don't... that way. Like... I just don't even... Like why? I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway. so they can't trace handwriting, isn't it? Yeah, but don't you get like fingerprints and stuff on it? Well, if they doused it in like the stuff in like gasoline and stuff, it would have removed any DNA. But yeah. also, was it 1947? It happened. Yeah, That's it true. That like, is technology true. then wouldn't even nowadays. If people send like letters, they can track to where that piece of paper was bought like what shop that was from and stuff like that yeah, and, like, I know. where the gasoline was bought from like mm. I just check cctv it's very hard to get away with murder these days yeah so don't try it kids <laughs> <laughs> in total 13 letters were sent to the police and the press taunting them as the investigation went on many were signed black dahlia avenger very menacing at one point, the police managed to find a fingerprint left on one of the letters sent to them from the supposed killer. As they had during the identification process, the police sent the fingerprints to the FBI in order to get a match, but the fingerprints were not on file. The LAPD interviewed hundreds of men throughout the years, with over 150 men being contacted in the first few weeks following her murder. They interviewed 75 men that were listed in her address book that were sent to the LA Examiner, all of whom knew Elizabeth on some sort of personal level. Level, sorry, not level. By the spring of 1947, Short's murder had become a cold case with few new leads. Sergeant Phyllis Brown, one of the lead detectives on the case, blamed the press for compromising the investigation through reporters probing and details of unverified reporting. During the initial investigation into her murder, police received a total of 60 confessions, mostly made by men. However, since that time, over 500 people have now confessed to the crime, some of whom were not even born at the time of her death. It's just, like, astounding to me. Like, <laughs> I honestly can't understand the logic between the logic of confessing to a murder that you didn't do 
it's like you get so obsessed with it, don't, don't you? Like you start to see yourself within the case. And That's then, like, like that documentary. What is that documentary on Netflix? So that guy, like, I think he gets caught for like one murder and then he just confesses and confesses and confesses. Oh, he confessed to like, like 50 odd, didn't he? Yeah, the guy with like, no ends teeth. Up being, ends up being like 300 murders that he confesses yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Because they just keep adding to the list because they want that many. Like, it's almost people seeing the desperation in the police of wanting so many things to be, so many cases to be, like, squared away. That they're just like, oh, yeah, well, he did it. People are, like, like the police and stuff are so obsessed with, like, finding who done what because they so desperately don't want to have unsolved cases on their files. But I also don't even think they want to desperately find who, who did it. They want to desperately gloat about it like mm. like yeah i i got this murderer that is controversial that lydia sorry that controversial opinion. sorry that's what we're about here I, I mean i don't know about it nowadays because i'm not in the police but definitely back then mm-hmm. anyway we digress on <laughs> february the 10th 1947 the murder of Jin- jian jian Jeanine. I think Janine. I've heard people say it's Janine, but yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Janine slash Jeanne, French. <laughs> um, in Los Angeles was also considered by the media and detectives as possibly being connected to Short's killing. French's body was discovered in LA, nude and badly beaten. So some possible links. Also, also it was also found on an empty lot, I think. Really? But it also yeah. says written on her stomach in lipstick was what appeared to say, fuck you, BD, and the letters text below. Mm. which i don't know people think that bd stands for black dahlia don't they yeah but then some other people say that the the b looks like a p so it might mean police department but who kills yeah. an innocent girl just to get out the police department like wow let's be real guys Fantastic. there have been a few main suspects over the years the first being robert manley manley seemed to be the last person to knowingly see elizabeth alive while it would make sense that he would be the lead suspect in the case, he was quickly dismissed as he was out of LA in the days leading up to and following Elizabeth's death. A big suspect in the case was one that came to light in recent years was Dr. George Hodel. Retired police detective Steve Hodel published his findings into the case in 2016, which listed his own father as the main suspect. George Hodel... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> the plot thickens. George Hodel was a wealthy, respected doctor in LA who was well connected in many with many types of people throughout the city. He was head of the venereal disease clinic in LA, but had trained in surgical procedures during his time in medical school. It was reported that during his time at the school, he was successful in many areas, including surgical skills. Interesting. His father's death, Steve found two photos within his father's belongings that had striking resemblance to Elizabeth Short. He began investigating, coming to believe that his father had been in a romantic relationship with with Elizabeth and found that they had been spotted together a number of times. The photos have have since been examined by various experts, with none of them being able to conclusively say whether or not they are Elizabeth in the photos. I actually, sorry, I actually, like, watched this video, and some of the experts say that it's, like, 80% not her, and then the rest of them are saying it's 90% definitely is her. Yeah. How can you, like, they have such a wide range of, like, I don't know. I suppose it's, like, the... How can you have so many different opinions? 
Well, if you see the photos of her, like, that have been taken of her, they're all front on, aren't they? Mm, Whereas yeah, yeah. And the photos that they had of her were this girl, whoever it is, was silent, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, and I think one of them was, like, from, like, a bit of a distance away. And especially with photo quality back then, I can't imagine it was overly clear after however many years of him finding these photos, like... Because they deteriorate in quality throughout time. Yeah. Steve also believed that his father was responsible for the murder of Janine French, the woman who was killed on the 10th of February and found Nathan beaten. She died due to blunt force trauma to the head and her body was found posed in a vacant lot in LA one morning. Sound familiar? Mm. As we've also already said that Steve O'Dell also sent his father's handwriting off to an expert who determined that there was a strong likelihood that his father's handwriting matched the script on some of the notes the killer sent to the LAPD, but the results were inconclusive. In 1949, George O'Dell's daughter ran away and reported her father to the police, telling them that he had sexually abused her when she was 11 and tried to offer her to his friends for sex when she was 14. A year later, she gave birth to a baby girl who she put up for adoption. Although George Hodel was acquitted of incest charges after several of the family members testified to that Tamara was lying. I actually, in the documentary that I was watching about this, um, mm. Steve Hodel is talking about this. And he's saying that he basically lost contact with his sister yeah. after she made these claims. But he never realised that she'd made these claims. Like, she just kind of, like, was shunned out of the family after she did this. Yeah. And he got back in contact with her, like, I can't remember what he said, like, 25 years later, like, after George had died. Yeah. And she said, like, yeah, he sexually assaulted me. And Steve never knew anything about any of this. Really? I don't know. Maybe that's not weird, but to me it's a bit weird. Certain things that I've seen is, like, he seemed a bit, like, a controlling person and that sort of personality do you know what I mean like Mm. he wasn't a very nice guy he was a bit of a dick Um, and then others have said that with family members coming up to testify against the daughter they think that they were probably lying because George Odell was like bankrolling them like he was supporting the people who came to his defense you can't really say either or can you no so a year after everything happened with George Odell and he was accused of um, sexually assaulting his daughter he moved to the Philippines to start a new life. Yeah. 17 years into this new life, a body is then found in Manila. The body was of a woman who'd been bisected and posed in an empty lot, just like the Black Dahlia. Steve claims that his father was living only half a mile away from the crime scene at the time. That's in a 2000- big coincidence. Sorry, but... Do you like... think... Yeah, because I've never lived half a mile away from a crime scene. No, as far and that's as I'm also aware. on the other side of the fucking world. Like... Yeah, and it's literally the exact same kind of killing. Like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure the location of the Black Dahlia killing, or where she was found, I don't think it was that far away from his house, like, in LA. I don't know for a fact, but mm. it's, like, it's a lot of coincidences. It is. Think? It is, Lydia. <laughs> so, in 2012, Steve revisited his childhood home with a production crew and a former police officer and his search dog, who was trained to pick up the scent of human remains. During this search, the dog picked up the scent of human decomposition in multiple locations throughout the property, which is horrible. Can you imagine? Mm. Although, according to experts, this doesn't necessarily mean there were remains where the scent was picked up. This could be because the markers that the dog detected could be carried away by water and other forces over time. 
However, soil samples analysed from this area also came back positive for human remains, but this can indicate a death that occurred anywhere from 20 to 100 years ago. I don't know about you though, but if I found any human remains in my house, that would freak me the fuck out. Yeah, even if I didn't live there anymore, like... This is the thing, he doesn't even live here anymore, he doesn't even live there anymore, does he, so... No. That's kind of weird. I think it's quite lucky that the house is still there as well, though, like... With how much mm. development happened has happened in LA since what the fifties, like it's lucky the house is still there. It was found that George Hodel was listed among twenty-one other main suspects. Information was also uncovered that the LAPD had planted listening devices in Hodel's home and listened to his comings and goings for forty days in nineteen fifteen, not long before he left for the Philippines. The recordings don't exist anymore, but the transcripts of the recordings do. In these, Hodel was recorded saying. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia, they couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. I mean... Right, that we... That's another thing that we didn't talk about, is <laughs> his secretary died in, like, mysterious circumstances, didn't she? Yeah, and Steve was convinced that George had killed his secretary really? already. Like, that was his first killing. Yeah. Shit. Another transcript suggests that the recording picked up a sound of what may have been a woman being attacked in the basement of the house. I also saw that apparently there were secret rooms in the house, like that Steve yes, didn't there was even like know this was room. there. Yeah. Yes, there was this room that like Steve wasn't allowed to go in, wasn't it? Yeah. Or did he not even know about it or something? I don't know, there was something like that. What do you have a need for a secret room in your house? Mm. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, the only time I know about a secret room is Fifty Shades of Grey and that did not end well for anybody. <laughs> that film and that book were messed up. According to a CBS special, the investigation into Hodel's link with Elizabeth was shut down abruptly in 1950, with one of the lead investigators stating that the recording from Hodel's home elimit- eliminated him as a suspect. Like, mm. not being funny. Did it? We've got, <laughs> Did it go on. Yeah. We've already heard him say one thing, and then we've heard some suspicious noises on the other one. So, but also, I think Ho, like George, has quite a lot of friends in high places and friends in the LAPD. Yeah, 1950s LAPD is not the least corrupt place you would ever find in the world. But also, like even just LA in general, it was like mob run as well. Yeah, like yeah. they think gangs are a big deal now. Jesus, it was all happening back then. Hmm. Steve claims that his father has strong connections with the LAPD and some of their illegal activities relating to prostitution and abortion rings, which him being a doctor trained in surgical skills and a woman heard screaming and then links with abortion rings in in the LAPD. And wasn't there, this ends up being not true, but there was loads and loads of um, suggestions and accusations that um, Elizabeth Short was pregnant at the time that she was killed, wasn't there? Yeah, I did read something about that. But then, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it was all different things. There was Some said that she was a lesbian, some said that she was pregnant with someone that was, like, too yeah. high up, so they had to kill her. Yeah. It was all kinds some of said that she. Some said that she'd seen something happen between the LAPD and, like, their other illegal stuff. Mm. It's all messed up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. During this time, the LAPD, like many other forces, was notoriously corrupt. So it's not too much of a stretch to believe that George might have had some sort of deal to close down the investigation and his links with Elizabeth shortly before he moved to the other side of the world. Just saying. <laughs> Another transcript picks George, <laughs> picks up George saying, this is the best payoff I've seen between law enforcement agencies. I'd love to get a connection in the DA's office. Come on. 
I can't well, make fun, people. We know the answer here. If he quacks, it's a duck. Let's just say that. <laughs> like, I've never heard that phrase before in my life. Have you not? No, <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. If it quacks, it's a duck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if the shoe fits. Like Yeah, well, that, I've heard that one. <laughs> 2001, after two years of research on the case full-time, Hodel turned to Stephen Kay, someone who he worked with in L.A. County District Attorney's Office. Hodel still wasn't sure he could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that his father was the Bat Dahlia killer, but he was convinced his investigation had unearthed enough new material to justify a fresh look from law enforcement officials. Kay, an assistant district attorney at the time, agreed to review Steve's work. Six weeks later, Kay responded with a glowing letter. It stated, thanks to some of the great detective work by his courageous son, Steve, the name of Dr. George Hotel will live in infamy. He also added that if George was still alive today, he would file two charges of murder against him. Surprisingly, Kay believed Steve was right. When I had that, that was the kind of moment where I said, okay, this case is solved, says Steve. Short's murder has been described as one of the most brutal and culturally enduring crimes in American history. Time magazine listed it as one of the most infamous unsolved cases in the world. But what do you guys think? I think we have our killer. Same. I think, I mean... I mean, I don't think it's ever going to get, like, ever going to get solved. Do you know what I mean? No, this is like Jack the Ripper. Like, it will never be solved anymore now, no matter how much notoriety (laughs) it gets. No matter how many podcasters think that it can be investigators and solve the mystery... It's never going to be solved. I think it's just interesting to talk about. Incredibly interesting. And I think what's interesting as well is that I actually didn't even know about this until we started researching it. No, well, I I knew the Black Dahlia. Like, I knew the name and that she was... I've literally never heard of it before. And then they're saying that Times Magazine says it's one of the most famous things. I've literally never heard of it. I think it's it's like a massive thing in LA and probably in America, but... I don't know how much it would have come over here. Like I know it was made into a movie and stuff like that, but mm. when you think when you think of famous murders and stuff, you think about English ones, don't you? Because that's where we are. So no, well, no, yeah, you don't think? But no, no, I think about like Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy and like yeah, I suppose. But yeah. I guess they're serious. I was thinking about like they're the criminals that have like a face to them. I'm talking like just then. I just did the exact example like. I'm talking about murderers, but I'm talking about the murderer. I'm not talking about murders. Yeah, I'm not talking about the victims. Like, you never remember the victims, do you? Yeah. It's like I said before, that's what annoys me about them putting a nickname onto the victim. Like, Mm. say her name, please. Like, Say my name, say my name. So, next week, we will be doing the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Which I'm very excited to learn about also, because that's another one of those cases where, like, I've heard about it, but I've never actually even really researched it at all. I remember watching the movie with, I think, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, and I remember really enjoying it, but other than that, don't really know much. I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong when I say this, but I'm pretty sure when I was reading it, George Hodel is actually, comes up as a suspect in the Zodiac Killing as well, maybe. Yeah. There were a few across across America at that time that people put links towards as well, like yeah. not necessarily towards George Hodel, but towards the Black Dahlia or towards Elizabeth Short, let's say. Um, but it was like that was the media trying to make links, not the investigators. Yeah. Do you think it would have been solved if it happened today? 
What, the back dining you can eat? Yeah, where they're being like doused and oh. like cleaned and stuff like it's that. Not, I was just about to say, because I was literally about to say 100% and then I remember that he like gasolined it and all. Yeah. Um, I think probably, yeah. Because I think that he, George, like say, for example, if George Hodel is the killer, he would have been investigated. A hell of a lot more. Because I think, like when it comes to this day and age with things like Twitter and Facebook and stuff, like... Mm. It's a lot harder to keep things like that under wraps, isn't it? Yeah, like um, they can't hide. They wouldn't be able to hide the fact that he was a suspect in this day and age. Oh uh, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like it, we you would all be find a, out, and we would all tweet about it. Pay his way out of it. Yeah, yeah. But even like because they think that where she was seen at the hotel that was her last thing because there's CCTV on every corner of a street now. I don't know about in mm. LA. Yeah. But they'd probably be able to track her movements a lot more. Um, yeah. And especially if and she even had an like, iPhone. I was literally just friends. about to say, <laughs> phone, like a phone records and stuff. Like, yeah. I was literally just about to say that. So, we are doing the Zodiac Killer next week. That should be very good, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully this layout is okay and it sounds good. Hopefully. Yeah, cool. So we will see you next week with the Zodiac Killer podcast. See you later. Bye.